This episode of On the Record is brought to you by Walterside Powertrain Group, a global industry leader for highly engineered, mission-critical powertrain systems and complete in-service support for the world's leading off-highway and industrial equipment manufacturers. I'm Executive Editor Kim Schmidt. Welcome to On the Record. Here's an update on what's currently impacting the ag equipment industry. The ag industry in North America has been in the economic doldrums for more than half a decade. Confronted by low commodity prices and high inventories, farmers, equipment dealers, and manufacturers have found little to cheer about since the ag boom ended in 2014. But this could be changing, according to industry analysts. They see the current ongoing wet weather trends and late planting as setting the stage for improving corn prices and farm equipment sales. Stephen Volkman, analyst for Jefferies, upgraded his outlook for both ACO and Deer from neutral to buy this past week. According to published reports, Volkman believes shifting farm fundamentals support double-digit growth in North America and South America for 2020. While maintaining a conservative margin outlook, Volkman sees further upside from potentially higher margins as volumes build. In a June 16th note to investors, Mick Dobre, analyst for RW Baird, upgraded his outlook for both Titan Machinery and Deer to outperform. In that note, Dobre says a rapid, meaningful shift is occurring in U.S. ag as extreme weather overshadows the trade war. Late planting has fueled an increase in corn prices, sharply breaking out of a five-year range as persistent wetness has raised supply concerns, says Dobre. Prices seem poised to move higher. This helps farm economics, which should drive equipment demand. Ag Equipment Intelligence editors had the opportunity to visit with Dobre earlier this week. Here's what he had to say about the current trends in U.S. agriculture. You're right. This is this is a late plant and it is unusual. And I think the right way to think about it is to maybe separate this issue into a couple of pieces. Uh, first and foremost is the plant itself and the impact that that's going to have on yields. A lot of our work, we've, we've looked at, at uh, prior periods that were similar to what we've seen in 2019. Uh, some of you that have been around a while probably know the periods I'm referring to here. Uh, we're talking about 1983, 1985. Uh, the mid-90s as well saw a pretty difficult planting year as well. And if you look at how uh, that crop worked out, yields have been anywhere between 10 to 20% lower than the normal trend, normal production trend. And I'm talking about corn here specifically. Um, as everyone knows, pressure on yields means pressure on production particularly in a year in which planted acres are probably going to be lower than expected. That itself carries uh, uh, to corn prices, to average farm, farm prices, and it carries itself to ending stocks as well. This matters not only because it will end up supporting the corn price in 2019, but lower ending stocks will have an effect essentially supporting prices into early 2020 or potentially all the way through the 2020 harvest. As we see it, every reduction, every 1% reduction in yields and production will result in roughly 2.5% higher corn prices. This is farm average corn prices. Um, again, if you look at history, what you see is that from current USDA estimates, we could still be looking at 10 to 15% downside in yields, which would mean that we could be seeing average farm prices potentially 30% higher than what the USDA currently estimates. Now, lastly, the way that all of this plays into machinery demand, machinery demand has a tendency to lag corn, uh, changes in corn prices by roughly a year. Higher corn prices in 2019 likely means higher machinery demand in the 2020. And when you think about the magnitude, 
for demand change. Remember that not only are we talking about higher corn prices, but we're also talking about a replacement demand cycle that is there, is vibrant. Many of you in the business know exactly what I'm talking about. Those two factors combined could shape up to be uh, a very, very strong 2020. So we wish you the best of luck. You can read more on Dobre's outlook for farm equipment sales on the Ag Equipment Intelligence website. This week's dealers on the move include AgriService and JLD LaGouche. Agco dealer AgriService recently merged its Altopia and Pasco Washington locations in order to provide a state-of-the-art service department. Operations will continue out of the Pasco site, which is 12 miles from the Altopia store. JLD LaGouche, a Canadian John Deere dealership, has acquired Transdiff and JDH, two Peterbilt dealers. Between them, Transdiff and JDH have 180 employees, five locations, and 55 service bays across the five Canadian territories. Now here's Jack Zemlicka with the latest from the Technology Corner. Thanks, Kim. Strip-tail farmers have typically been among the most progressive adopters of precision technology, embracing tools including variable rate seeding, implement guidance, and unmanned aerial vehicles. But RTK level correction is often referred to as the most essential technology in a successful strip-till system, given the importance of accurately planting into a narrow strip of soil. Results of the 6th Annual Strip-Till Operational Benchmark Study, which analyzed the 2018 cropping season of more than 200 strip-tillers from 23 states, revealed that use of RTK among strip-tillers topped 80% for the fourth consecutive year. So which is the most popular brand of GPS system among strip-tillers? For the fifth year in a row, John Deere topped the list by nearly a 2 to 1 margin over second place. While 40% of strip-tillers utilize Deere Guidance, the total is more than 9 points down from last year. Trimble and Ag Leader tied for the second spot at about 22% each, largely consistent with prior years, while just under 12% of strip-tillers utilize Case IH GPS systems. There was more manufacturer diversity in this year's benchmark study, with 8 different brands used by at least 3% of respondents. You can see more comprehensive analysis of the 6th Annual Strip-Till Benchmark Study to include breakdowns of equipment usage, fertilizing practices, and yield data during a free live webinar event on Thursday, July 11th. Visit striptillfarmer.com webinars for more information. Back to you, Kim. Thanks, Jack. The Equipment Dealers Association, along with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, recently submitted data related to the Federal Trade Commission's Nix the Fix workshop. The data relates to right-to-repair legislation and policy reasons why EDA and AEM support end-users' right-to-repair equipment but do not support the right to modify due to environmental and safety concerns, explains Natalie Higgins, EDA's Vice President of Government Relations and General Counsel. According to their report, 33% of dealers say modified equipment, meaning it's been altered from manufacturer settings, has come into their dealership in the last 24 months. This includes engine tuning or chipping, changes to hydraulic systems, or safety mechanisms. Some dealers reported as much as 50% of the equipment brought into their dealerships for service has been modified or altered. The FTC has invited EDA to participate in the workshop. Higgins says at this point they do not know what other organizations or industries will be participating in the workshop. In addition, she adds that the FTC has been vague in what the intended purpose of the workshop is. 
According to the FTC website, the workshop will focus on how manufacturers may limit repairs by consumers and repair shops and whether those limitations affect consumer protection, including consumers' rights under the Magnuson-Moss Warranty Act. The workshop will discuss some of the issues that arise when a manufacturer restricts or makes it impossible for a consumer or independent repair shop to make product repairs and whether such restrictions undercut the Warranties Act's protections. To date, right to repair has been a legislative issue on the state level, but with the FTC's involvement, there's potential for it to become a federal issue. The FTC workshop will take place in July. Ag Equipment Intelligence's June 2019 Dealer Sentiments report showed declining optimism in the Canadian market, including flat sales and rising new equipment prices. Dealers said that steel surcharges and volatile weather patterns were contributing factors of economic downturn. According to the May Unit Sales Report from the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, year-to-date combine sales are down 7.4%. High horsepower tractor sales are down 21.1% and four-wheel drive tractor sales are down 33.3%. Trochel Motors' Landis Stankovic spoke further on the variety of issues weighing on Canadian market sentiment, including China's ban on the importation of canola seed, uncertainty from President Trump's international relations, and volatile moisture levels. I would say probably it's just a bunch of things coming together at the same time to create maybe a market where there, where buyers are not buying if they don't have to. There was the moisture situation, which it looked quite dry in many parts of Canada for quite a lot of the early year. In our area and some of the other areas now, we're, we're sitting really really nicely. And then, of course, the, the whole trade disputes, most prominently the, chi- the dispute with China over the extradition of the Huawei executive, which led to China imposing some, essentially some sanctions, such as, you know, banning the import of canola seed. And there's a lot of things that Donald Trump is doing to, to create maybe some uncertainty in terms of world trade. And I think that probably is having an impact on prices. But even if it's not, you know, impacting prices in a huge way, it's certainly on the minds, I think, of farmers in terms of the uncertainty. Though some dealers responded to the survey saying they experienced increased demand and successfully lowered used inventory numbers, Stankovic noted the severity of the Canadian downturn varied by region, including Saskatchewan, which has been particularly suffering from dry weather. In 2016, California's then-Governor Jerry Brown signed into law a bill that authorized the increase of the state's minimum wage to $15 over the next several years. This is causing stress on farm equipment dealers in the state, particularly those who operate stores in other states as well. Ag Equipment Intelligence editors recently learned about the challenge. According to a letter the Far West Equipment Dealers Association sent to the director of the California Department of Industrial Relations, a particular issue with Section 9 of the Industrial Welfare Commission Wage Order No. 7 is that it establishes the rule that employers must provide and maintain those tools or equipment that are required by the employer or that are necessary to the performance of the job. The same Section 9 also sets forth an exception to the general rule and permits an employer to require that the employee provide hand tools and equipment customarily required by the trade or craft so long as the employee makes at least two times the minimum wage for each hour worked. With the new minimum wage, that would be at least $30 per hour. For reference, according to the 2017 Equipment Dealers Association Compensation and Benefits Survey, the average hourly wage for a top technician is $24.48. For dealers with stores in California, as well as other surrounding states, this introduces a pay equity issue and also drives up the cost of doing business. And now from the Implement and Tractor Archives. In early 1916, Walter Silver, an engineer for John Deere, began developing a motor cultivator. 
His concept mounted an existing horse-drawn deer cultivator ahead of a powered unit. It was steered by turning a large horizontal wheel that pivoted the front half of the machine, an early form of articulation. Before long, Deere began testing the machine for other field jobs. In spring of that year, Farm Implement News published a story announcing Deere to make small tractor, saying in addition to cultivating row crops, it would do substantially all of the farm work ordinarily done by one team. The retail price will approximate the cost of a span of good horses. The trade name of the machine will be the John Deere One Team Tractor, the article said. As always, we welcome your feedback. You can send comments and story suggestions to kschmidt at lessermedia.com. Until next time, thanks for joining us.